Good evening, family. My name is David Hermes. I'm a site pastor of Grace Covenant in Sterling, and I, and I serve as an associate pastor of Grace Covenant Church. I love you all. I've, I've been here before, so I hope I'm not too unfamiliar to you. Uh, but if I am, it's because I do spend most of my time in the Sterling community and congregation, uh, really working out the, the mission and vision of Grace Covenant Church in that community. We consider ourselves to be responsible for the Route 7 corridor from Tyson's to Round Hill, that we seek to help people encounter Christ, experience community, and extend the kingdom in that area. Uh, the, you all in Chantilly have the rest of the D.C. metro area. Uh, we've kindly gifted that to you to be able to, to tackle. Um, as <laughs> Through this month of uh, September and this anniversary month, we've been talking about different aspects of what the church is, so that in our going into our 37th year, we can be well-equipped in regards to how we are to relate to the church, and how we to embrace the church, and how we are to be a part of the church. Uh, there aren't many churches that I know of that are like Grace Covenant. Not many at all. And it's becoming more and more unique as we advance. Uh, you know, I don't know many churches that are multi-ethnic, multi-generational, and, and multicultural as well, uh, that also have Korean congregations and Spanish-speaking congregations, and then moments where everybody's all together and everybody loves each other. And so you can, you can clap for that. That's exciting to me. And it sets my heart on fire because I believe that it's the heartbeat of God. I believe it's an expression of the kingdom that originated with his dream that he set in motion when he created mankind. It's what he had in mind for us even today when he, when he kicked things off. Uh, but part of, the reason, part of the reason we benefit from that is because there aren't many people like Pastor Brett Fuller, not in the world. There aren't many people in the world like Pastor Jim Critcher and, and our elders. There aren't many people like them uh, on, on the face of the earth. And so we are grateful where we find ourselves today, being under their leadership and a, as a part of this congregation, as a part of the Sterling congregation, Spanish congregation, Korean congregation, and, uh, and all the other Asians that we have. But, um, but even still, uh, even, under their, you know, even under their leadership, even in the midst of this great movement that we're a part of, being a part of Grace Covenant Church, uh, we need to make sure that we, don't, uh, that we don't become complacent or lazy with the things that we've inherited. Because it took great courage and faith for Pastor Brett and Pastor Jim and Pastor Duke to stand up together and fight for something that other people hadn't seen yet. It just existed in the mind of God and the heart of, of, of the men who spent time with God. And so it took great courage, faith, and strength to get us to this place. But for us, it's just kind of how it is. And so it'd be easy to look at something like tonight and be like, oh yeah, just accept it and just be in, and hold it and hold it loosely. But anytime we have something of value, whether it be a message, a possession, or a person, uh, we, we need to remember that we ought, we ought to hold it carefully. In First Chronicles, you see this story, I think it's chapter 12, where Uzzah reaches out and touches the ark of God. He's trying to preserve it, but, but he reaches out and he touches it because he was presumptive and God strikes him dead. Not because, not because he was trying to hold the ark up, it's because everything leading up to that moment was outside of God's plan. And so he's like, you're way off base and you don't even realize it, but now you've crossed that, that imaginary line that's not so imaginary. It's very real. And I want to remind you that there, there is a line and there's a way that you ought to relate to me. Uh, I was at the hospital recently um, visiting a family that just had a baby, you know, and, and there's such care taken. You're not just like, hey, check out my baby, right? And, and you're just kind of like tossing it across the room. 
No, right? that'd, be, that'd be reckless. What you do is like you make sure that if, whether somebody's had 18 kids or one kid or no kids, you're like, you know how to hold the baby, right? And it's like, man, I've had four kids. What are you, like, why are you disrespecting me like this? You know, you're like, I, I can hold a baby. I've got four living humans in my home that I was responsible for raising. I did more than hold them. I can feed them and change them and do lots of other neat things too. But, but, he's, like, but he's like, I just want to make sure that you hold this well. And that's why we're going through this series, to make sure that we hold it well. To make sure that we relate to this well so that we don't break the baby. And <laughs> break the baby. That was a terrible example. Um... But here's the big idea that I want to share to you with you tonight. It's, it's one that's turned my world right side up concerning the church. It's, it's that the church doesn't just have a mission, but the church is part of God's mission. All right, so Grace Covenant exists to help people encounter Christ, experience community, and, uh, and extend the kingdom. And so sometimes we can latch on to that without realizing that the reason we have that is because we're a part of God's broader vision. We're a part of his bigger mission. And so I want to talk about a, a moment in scripture where some men were invited into God's mission. And this moment in scripture is found in cha- uh, Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. And what I want you to see when we read this is that, that this, this moment that these men are about to have with Jesus shapes the way that they related to Jesus, shapes the, re- the way they related to one another, and shapes the way they related to the world. Because they were being invited into God's mission. They just weren't seeing through their own mission. So if you could stand with me, we'll read this, we'll read this together, Sterling style. Which means I'll mess up a couple times in the process on the microphone, but y'all will get it right. So I'll start us off. While walking by the Sea of Galilee. Is it not up there? Y'all don't read. I just assumed it was up there. All right, well, I'll read it to you. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would awaken us to the reality of your mission, the reality of your kingdom, and our place in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. I forgot to tell the AV team that that's what we do, which is a really sterling thing to do. This call shapes everything about their lives and the way they interacted with Jesus, as I said. But our focus is going to be on chapter, on, on verse 19 today. But before I, before I comment on, on cha- and I'm going to talk about how uh, it's a call to follow Jesus, a call to fellowship with believers, and a call to fish for the lost. But before I get there, I want to just, verse 18 is remarkable to me because I, I, I just want to make sure that we see this. That it says that while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he's, Jesus saw two, two brothers, Simon and Andrew, casting a net, and for they were fishermen. And he said to them, and, and what I want you to, to do is I, I want to make sure that we don't miss the supernatural presence, power, and call of God because it seems so remarkably natural. Here we have Jesus just walking along the Sea of Galilee. And then he calls to them. He's not hovering. He's not floating. There's no lightning. There's no thunder. There's no extraordinary moment. He is just walking along the way. And if you're not careful, you'll miss the call of God because it seems so absolutely natural to you. Many of the calls of God sound like Pastor Brett Fuller preaching a message on Sunday morning. And you're like, this burns my heart. This feels like conviction. That's not Pastor Brett Fuller reading your mail. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. 
Sometimes the call of God sounds like a small groups fair that I know you're doing in Chantilly this weekend. And it's somebody saying, hey, I would like for you to come and be a part of my small group. And you're like, oh, I'll go when God tells me to. Having just missed the opportunity for God to speak to you and call you into community in a significant way. And so I want to make sure that we don't miss the supernatural call of God because it seems so absolutely natural like this moment would have seemed. And so he comes up to these men and he says, come, follow me in some passages. And this ESV just says, follow me. It's an invitation into a relationship and he's inviting them into a mission. Come and follow me. It's the relationship with Jesus that's going to qualify them for the mission. Not executing the mission that qualifies them for a relationship with Jesus because the relationship comes first. And for every single one of us, before the work starts, the relationship starts. And it starts by doing exactly what these men did in verse 20. And it means laying down your nets and laying down the plans that you had for yourself and choosing the plan of God for you and and receiving the plan and the purpose and the call to invitation and the call to mission that he has for you instead of the plan that you have for yourself. That requires a certain death to self, doesn't it? When we were in Hebrews 11, just uh, for the last couple months, we, you know, we talked about Abraham, how he got this call from God. Come, leave the land of your fathers and come to a land that I'm going to show you. We like to think that Abraham didn't have any other plans. This man was a businessman. And yet he found it a pleasurable thing to walk away from the things that he knew, the comforts that he had established and the plans that he had, and to walk into fellowship and relationship with God into not only the plan that he had for him, but for the relationship with, he, with God. Because every step away from what he knew was a step into deeper relationship and intimacy with God. And so as Jesus calls you, sometimes he's going to call you to, to lay down your nets. And sometimes he's going to call you to lay down a relationship. Sometimes he's going to call you to lay down some money. Sometimes he's going to call you to lay down a cause or a purpose because he wants to see it to completion. And he's going to tell you to take your hands off it so he can do it for you. And it's going to require a certain death to self. And every step that you take away from that is a step into greater and deeper intimacy with the Father. In this case, they laid down their nets and they stepped closer and deeper into intimacy with Jesus. And they benefited from that for the rest of their lives. It wasn't something that happened one time. It was something that would have to happen time after time after time, day after day after day. I'm sure there are some days where they woke up and said, I'm not sure where we're really going. And they talk to each other like, are you, we put that, we left for this. He just said like, eat my flesh and drink my blood kind of things. And that's, I'm not comfortable with that. I, I'm not sure, are you staying? Because I'm not, I'm not sure I feel called anymore. I'm not sure I feel called to, to that, to this people anymore. I think I'm just going to study the Bible by myself at home. And so that's, um, that I got an, mm. so I need, uh, yeah, so, well, no, okay. We've got baptisms tonight, and we're excited about that. We'll get... So he says, follow me. It's a, it's a command. It was an invitation to a, to a group of people, and it wasn't just to one person. And I think we need to hear that in the United States today, that the invitation to follow God isn't an invitation to follow him by yourself, but it's an invitation to follow him together. And we need to make sure that when we hear the call of God, that we make sure that we hear the call of God to a body and, and that we're not the only body, but it's, we're invited into a group of, of believers. We're invited into the church. 
not just, not just the local church, but the, 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 the global church, the invisible church. It's made up of people who have lived for generations and generations, but, a, but the most current expression of that invisible or global church is the local church. And we're invited into that, and we're invited into that mission, and into that community, and into those people. And so we have this, we have this call. In past times, now here's the cool thing about this invitation to a group of people. In past times, God had used judges, and prophets, and kings, and angels. But now, God was going to do something different in this next stage of the mission. In this next stage of the mission of manifesting his glory to, to heaven and earth, his, 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 in, his, in his mission of making his king, establishing his kingdom on earth, he wasn't going to use just individuals anymore. He was going to use a body of people. He was going to use a collection of people who were, who were normal, yeah. right? Not the, not the king, not the man who heard from God for everybody else, but he was going to pour out his spirit on all man. And he was going to allow any man. He was, there was going to be this, this army of believers that was established who would be able to hear and respond to God and link arms with one another and hear God with and for one another and take on the gates of hell and advance the kingdom of heaven in their space. Yeah. That gets me excited. I, maybe it's late. Is it the pizza? <laughs> Makes you sleepy? Or, um, But he pours out his spirit on man and, and brings us into this thing together. And it's in the safety of these relationships that we get to learn to walk in Jesus. You know, not dropping the baby. It's in the safety of these relationships that we, that we really, we learn to walk. And, and we learn how to fall. And we learn how to stand back up. Uh, one, of my, one of my children, her, her first steps was towards uh, Miata Jones, who was leading worship tonight. We were in a small group meeting. And my daughter was like, I want Miata. And just took off for her. And it was just a beautiful, wonderful moment that we got to share that with community and that everybody got to see her go towards someone. And, and Miata was the one that she chose. And it was such a sweet, rich moment. But, but we had that privilege together where we get to, we get to stand with each other. And, you know, my, my daughter fell and she'd get up and we'd cheer for her when she got back up. And it was a big thing. And that's what we get to do as the body of believers together, that when somebody chooses to walk towards Jesus, maybe they stumble, but we, we cheer them on to stand back up. And we say, come on, you can do this. I'm excited that you're chasing after Miata. I'm going to remind you about your decision to chase after God. I'm going to remind you about what it was like to fall and stand up and fall and stand up and fall and stand up. And we're not going to let you quit because it's important that you get there. And that's something that God affords us in community. This is how he helps us along in sanctification. Pastor June last week talked about consecration. That's our responsibility. But sanctification is the process that God brings us into to help us become consecrated. And it's a process that we can help each other back into when we try and quit on it. Anybody else try and quit on sanctification or consecration? And you're like, I had enough. I, I'm ready to stop giving. I'm ready to stop trying. I'm ready to quit small group. I'm a little offended or a lot offended, but I'll say a little bit because that's not very Christian. I'm really frustrated, but I'm really angry, but frustrated sounds holier. So I'm not angry because that would, that somebody else would be angry, but I'm, I'm just frustrated. I'm struggling a little bit, but really what it means is I'm, I'm head underwater drowning with lust instead of just struggling a little bit. But I'm going to say struggling because that seems more sanctified and it seems healthier to be just struggling when I'm really drowning. Ooh. Anybody ever been in a fight in your, in your life and you're like, I just want to quit and you catch yourself walking away and somebody's like, no, this fight's not over. We're going in and we're going in together. No. It's awesome. 
Now, now here's the thing. Here's the, here's a, a problem, and I, I'll, I'll touch on this very, very briefly. But with every gift of God, there's also an anti-gift from God. That's not in the Bible. It's just what I kind of see, right? There's a gift from God, the anti-gift. The, the gift from God is the community that he gives us. The anti-gift is what, how the devil wants to manipulate it to kill, steal, and destroy. All right, so the gift from God is the provision that we have. The anti-gift is our selfishness. And we want to hold on to it and use it for our own glory instead of for the glory of God. The gift from God is the fellowship of believers that we have. The anti-gift that we have that, that, that the enemy uses to twist and manipulate that is the church hurt that comes when somebody treats us poorly or we get somebody on a bad day or they yell at us in the parking lot. They shake our fist at us nice and holy like, brother! And... <laughs> You know, you really know, you know what they were thinking because you were thinking the same thing and you're like, I'm not going back to that service because I don't want to see them again. Somebody sitting in your seat on Sunday morning. That's where you sit in the third service every week. How dare they <laughs> sit in your seat? Those are the light offenses, but the heavier offenses are when somebody ignores you in the hallway. They, didn't, they weren't really ignoring you. They were actually, their kid was trying to stick their finger in the outlet and they just didn't see you. But it felt like they were ignoring you because they looked right at you and then they deterred their attention and you're like, yeah, they, I, I don't like them anymore. <laughs> that's the anti-gift and that's the thing that we have to fight against because the thing that God set up to be a source of life and inspiration and, and health and consecration and sanctification and safety is now the thing that seems to be hurting us so badly. And so in God's mission, we see that it's a call to follow God and to be transformed and sanctified and, and transformed and made like him, justified for his purposes and for the life that he's called us to. And then we've been placed in this body, this, this, this collection of people, this ecclesia, that, this gathering of believers that exists so that we can encourage one another on and cheer one another on, inspire one another in faith, sing heavenly songs and, and to one another. I, I don't want Pastor Eddie singing songs to me necessarily, but I love it when he's got a verse that he texts me. And he calls them to become fishers of men. And they get to become this together as they, they, they walk and they learn to stand and they learn to fight and they learn to put one step in front of the other. And they learn to walk away from everything that they knew and walk all the way into the otherworldly life in Christ where we're not operating according to the world's standards anymore, but we're operating to the kingdom standards. We're not operating to our own thoughts and pleasures, and, but we're operating according to the thoughts and pleasures of our Lord and King Jesus. Yeah. And, and so then, then he, he tells them, I'm going I'm to make you fishers of men. I'm going I'm to take your skill sets and I'm going to turn it so that you can use this for the glory of God instead of the glory of self. And so this is, not, this is not a call just for anybody, just for fishermen. This is a call for all of us who have a skill. God wants to take the skill that he's, he's gifted us with and he wants to turn it and utilize it to manifest his glory in the earth for the purpose of making disciples who can also go and do the same. This is where we pick up on his mission. And, and here's the funny thing. He, Jesus wasn't choosing them because they were found. They're found because he's choosing them. And so sometimes we read this and we, we, we think of them as, as the finished product. We, we're like, Jesus called the disciples to himself. And we're thinking about the people who broke bread with him. We're thinking about the people who, who established the early church. That's, that's who we think. We fast forward the story. But these were, just, these were just fishermen who were fishing. And Jesus called them and made them pleasurable by his choosing of them. Not because they were doing the mission of God, but because he knew they were called to accomplish the mission of God. And so the very people who are on your nerves now, the people who are so unspiritual that you can't just handle them are really like the people that Jesus called right now. I like to be around Christians. 
Well, I'm glad Jesus didn't have that idea. I'm glad he didn't just keep to himself at the water cooler. I'm glad he didn't just keep to himself in his neighborhood. I'm glad he didn't just look for, for the church service when he was walking along the Sea of Galilee. I'm just looking for the people who worship the most like me. I'm just looking for the people whose sermon really makes me the happiest. I'm looking for the, for the, for the chorus that gives me goosebumps. I'm looking, I'm looking for the worship leader who really stirs me on. No, no, he was looking for the lost so that he could call them in and invite them into this relationship and invite them into this community and invite them into this, this mission. We need not overcomplicate this fishing for men. I mean, Jesus models it as a simple invitation. Now, there are some people who are really, really skilled with words and with, with personality and charisma, and they'll be real big, and they'll come in with all these amazing stories. But, but the, the example that Jesus gives us is that just inviting them to come. I mean, that's the simple, like, if, he, if, he was, if they were sharing testimonies at small group that week, the testimony that Jesus would share was, I invited some people to come with me. That's all it is. I invited some people to come with me and they, and they came with me. Simple, huh? Like we make it so big and so complicated and so intimidating, but the example that Jesus gives, I'll say it again, is just to invite. Hey, I got something I think will help you. Hey, I got something for you. Hey, this will be a benefit to you. I, I, know, I know we don't know each other very well, but I, it, this thing has changed my life and I would like to invite you into it because I think it would have benefit for your life as well. So simple. It's a marvelous thing that there is a God who exists. You can amen that. It's a marvelous thing that God exists. It's extraordinary that, that he lets us know him. It's more incredible that he invites us to follow him. Can you, so this God who exists, who created all things, invites us to follow him and makes himself followable. I have been invited on runs for, by people before, you know, like working out. And they're like, hey, you, I, I run some. You want to come run with me? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's run together. I'm kind of a novice, so take it easy on me. And they're like, right, yeah, we'll take it easy. You know, and then I just, I lost the camera. I'm sorry about that. But... But, it, but it's like, whoa, you made yourself unfollowable. I, I quit. This is stupid. I don't want to be a part of that. But Jesus makes himself ultimately followable. You see the pace. He's, going, he's walking along, looking natural. He's not speaking in tongues real loud along the side of the lake. <laughs> prophesying to stones. I mean, he's going to make a fish show up with a coin in its mouth later. But he's not collecting coins out of fish mouths. You know, he could be doing all kinds of things. He could be floating. He could be riding a dinosaur. This is Jesus. He could be talking on his, on his iPhone. You're like, y'all don't know about this. It's coming out. 2,000 years. It's coming. Y'all don't even know. He'd be just talking to the Father. Like just, you know, because the Holy Spirit and the Father just kind of all synced up. That's all they'd have. And then, no cell towers. <laughs> Sounds kind of like glory. <laughs> he could have come any 
kind of way, but he made himself ultimately followable. And he modeled something that we can all do. Now, the perfect and sinless life part of that, we, we don't do that. And that's why when we follow him, what we're doing is we're surrendering our life and we're, sur- we're receiving the life of Jesus. We're, 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 we're dying to our own plan and to our own purpose and we're, we're receiving his plan and his purpose. We're free, we refuse to live to ourselves any longer, but we're going to live for Christ now. We don't look to save ourselves, but we look for the blood of Christ to save us and redeem us. There are certain duties that he's given to the church, that he's given to us. And and we do these things. We call them sacraments. And we have the sacrament of communion. And that's where we remember that Christ's body was broken for us. And that in his resurrection, we're, we're saved. That his body was broken for our trespasses and our sin, our rebellion against God, that he took on our punishment. And his blood was spilled. Now, many men have died for a good cause, but Jesus resurrected. And the power of the resurrection is how we have certainty that his death took our place. The second thing that we have is baptism, and we're going to celebrate baptism in just a minute. We celebrate that the, body of his, uh, the breaking of his body and subsequent resurrection saves us from the destruction that we, that we deserve. And in baptism, we recognize that Jesus went into the grave and he rose from the dead three days later. And in baptism, we go under the water, identifying with the death and the burial of Jesus. And we rise up out of the water into the new life that God has for us. Now, baptism isn't a saving thing. It's a sign of, of what's already occurred in our, in, in our life. That Christ has already saved me, but this is my public declaration about what has happened to me privately. And it's an invitation to be baptized in, the, in, 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 in a public way so that, the, so that the church can see and can celebrate and so that the world can see and know that these people are different than anybody else who walks on the face of the earth. I had the privilege of baptizing some kids at George Mason University in the pool at George Mason. And it was a funny thing. And we were baptizing these kids and, and, and some students who were swimming just started lining up on the line, the lane line, and they were watching. And so I swam over to them between kids and I was like, I, they were like, what are you guys doing? Because every time one person would get in the water, I'd dunk them in, and then everybody would cheer and celebrate and then pray for the person. I said, this is a baptism ceremony. They said, I've heard of this. This is amazing. Wow. It was a sign of something otherworldly. It was the kingdom of heaven being made real on the earth. It was the mission of God being accomplished as, as people's hearts were stirred for the glory and the purposes of God. As the, as the loving kindness and faithfulness of our, of our God was made manifest to these people, God's love was made known. We're going to do some baptisms, but first what I want to do is I want to, resp- I want to respond to this message in prayer because I, I believe that God is inviting us into this as well. This call, this invitation to follow him is fresh for us today. This call into the body of believers is fresh for us today. And this call to fish for the lost is fresh for us today. And so whether, now, now sometimes if you've been in church for a long time, you're going to think, no, nah, I'm good. But I promise you, there's, you're, you lean towards one muscle. You know, you're either all about following Jesus and you've forgotten about the body and you've forgotten about the lost or, or you know, you picked one. And you're kind of like a kid in a high school gym who just only works on his biceps because that's all you can see in the mirror. And you've got this massive bicep, but you've got no back muscles and you're going to cause some real damage to yourself if you ever have to do anything real. 
because your muscles are in tension with one another. And that might, I guess the example doesn't make much sense if you haven't been a high school guy who lifted only biceps. <laughs> I speak from experience. Injury is coming. So I'm just going to pray for all three things. And if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, or you need to come back to Jesus tonight, pray that with me. And then I'm going to cry out to God and I'm going to ask us to knit our hearts together and, and give us a revelation and a realization of what it means to be a part of the body, what it means to be a part of the church. And then I'm going to pray that God would set our hearts on fire for the lost. And it's my hope that if not on all three points, that at least on one of these points that the Holy Spirit brings you to conviction and sets your life in motion in a way that you haven't experienced at least in a long time, hopefully never. Amen. Amen. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we hear your voice calling us to follow you. We surrender to you today. For lack of words, we say yes. We lay down our nets and we decide to follow you. To find our acceptance, our salvation, our purpose, our mission, our life in you and in you alone. Instead of the plan, the purpose, and the pattern that we have set for our own life, we say yes to yours. We drop, we lay down not just the things that are good, but God, we lay down those things that are bad. We lay down the things that we know are sin and, and, and grieve your spirit, God, whether it be a relationship that we need to get out of or needs to change. God, whether it be alcohol or some other medicine that, that we are taking illegally or without need or we're self-medicating, God, we lay that down tonight to follow you into wholeness to follow you into, the transform, into transformation, to follow you into new life. And God, for those of us who have, who have siloed ourselves and we've just followed you and we've forsaken everybody else, God, I ask that you would break our hearts one for another because our love for one another is going to be a sign to the world that you are who you say you are, that you did what you said you did and you'll do what you said you would do. So God, I ask that our hearts would burn with passion and love for one another and we would help one another on, that we would help the weak person stand to their feet. Whatever strength we have, God, let us use it for your glory. And with whatever weakness we have, let us cry out to you and reach out to this community of believers for help and assistance to walk in the fullness of your call with you and with one another. And God, I ask that you would set our hearts on fire for the lost that we wouldn't be satisfied just having you and having one another, but you would burden us with a passion and a desire that caused you to step out of time and enter creation in flesh, that you came on a mission to reveal your glory in the flesh. And I ask that we would share that same passion, that we would find ourselves willing to have conversations we've never had before, to speak to people we've never spoken to before. God, we would step across the aisle. We would walk to that other side of the office. We would walk across the street. We would walk to our neighbor. We would show up at that family function. God, for your glory that we would share your love and simply invite people in to this life-changing, this life-changing relationship with you that gives us salvation, that gives us community and gives us purpose. In Jesus' name. Amen.